It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. <laughs> Yay! Yay. <laughs> welcome, 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome, dear listener. Uh, if this is the first time you've heard us, we are, as you've just heard, Meg John and Justin, we do uh, podcasts about sex and relationships and our relationship to ourselves. And it's pretty broad, so we're often talking about things like. Uh, neoliberalism and trauma and (laughs) (laughs) anger uh, mostly relating to our relationships with ourselves and others and sex and gender and stuff I just wanted to check you said it's recording but usually it tells me that zoom is recording and I can't see a thing I just wanted to double check that that's definitely happening sorry yeah it is happening it is at the top top left it's saying it's recording yeah I'm not getting that for some reason but that's cool so as you might have heard, dear listener, we're doing these uh, on uh, just audio uh, on soundcloud.com forward slash Meg, John and Justin. But also if you head over to our website where you can read an excellent blog that MJ's going to write. <laughs> that is consensual. I've not just nominated for the right to... No, well, that's how we do, isn't it? You that do the tech do. And, I do the, and I do the blog yeah. post and we both so do a bit of Twitters. And, it's worth yeah. flagging up, actually, is that um, we're producing so much content and it's... I think it's fucking brilliant content. Sorry for swearing. Um, so we've got these. So with every podcast, MJ writes a blog, which is not a tran- which is not a transcription of the podcast. It's like a, but it's a really well thought through article about where we got to in the Thank podcast. You. And it's like well, each yeah. article is like absolutely. So some people do come to our website to read the articles and like, well, I don't really like podcasts, but I've got this brilliant article now. So you know, and then also. For those mm-hmm. for those of you who want to see us and see the chemistry between us, <laughs> we're recording our zooms and we're putting them on YouTube. So you are getting, yeah. dear listener, a podcast which people love, a brilliant blog post, and video of us chatting as well for free. All of it, yes. But you could also get it for non-free by becoming <laughs> for non-free a, for non-free for very little for one dollar a month. It's not free, and it's from $1 yeah. a month. So if people want to from. give us more than a dollar a month... $500 a month would be absolutely fine. People want to, <laughs> basically, we are, we are trying to make this a gig. At the mm. moment, it's still in the hobby end of things. We want this yes. to be like paid work, because this is what we, we do. Get, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Meg, John, and Justin. Every other show, every other blog, every other video is just for patrons. Um, and uh, so you, there's lots of stuff that you'd be missing out on if you really want our stuff. So yep. that's us. Like anger and solo sex. Oh, trust. That was a good one. Trust. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So some corkers over there. Anyway, this oh, yeah. is our freebie. Uh, we mean trust yes. as in T-U-R-T-R-U-S-T. <laughs> Not yeah, because we could do T-R-U-S-S-E-D, the other kind. T R U S S E D, which we are going yeah. to do at some point. Kink, well. kink 101 <laughs> is coming, but we, will do <laughs> we haven't that. done it yet. <laughs> we're going to talk about kink a little bit today, aren't we? We will be we... talking a bit about kink because we're talking about the TV show Normal People today. Normal People. Uh, I've yes. not read the book. Have you read the book, MJ? No, have I. I got the book and then I saw that the TV show came out and I went for that instead. So um, we're just talking so about, we're the, TV talk about show. the TV show. We're not going to talk about the book. Yeah. And we're but going the, to talk the author about was, it. Yeah. Go on. The author was the involved author. with the TV show, I noticed. That's though. right. So, yeah, it's quite close, presumably, yeah. to the book. Yeah. Um, from people who have read the book, 
it does sound pretty close. There's a lot more mm. backstory in some elements of it, but the general... Mm. Um, uh, I'm not going to bring in any of the backstory, but the, the general vibe is, like, is the TV show. Yeah. Um, now, I've already written a Sex and Relationships Education Guide to this uh, at my website for young people, uh, Bish. It's really good. Um, yeah, not, just, not just for young people. It's excellent. Yeah, it's aimed at... Uh, it's... I wrote it aimed at um, over-16s, this one, mm -hmm. uh, who might be interested in thinking a bit more deeply about the show. But, yeah, it's not just for young people. Um, it's uh, But that's who I write for. And that's at bishuk.com, and that's on the homepage at the moment. But we want to do our really deep dive for our audience. So yeah. like, we go into some detail and depth with our stuff, don't we? Yeah. And I guess it will it will be spoilery. So if you've not seen it, maybe go watch it and then listen to this. Um, yeah, I think I I think I would recommend it. I felt it was I have felt a lot of strong feelings about it. ambivalent, isn't it? When you feel love and hate, it's like yeah, there was yeah, I felt strongly about it. I think it is it is worth the watch and a real think about. Um, and that's not to say it's good about everything by any manner of means, but no. there's there's some really strong interesting stuff i guess it raises a lot that's really interesting to think about and talk about i would say that i really enjoyed it um mm. but i could not stop thinking about work <laughs> like it was just oh, going is thinking about just just think that i mean i thinking about all these mm. issues to me is work like i try to right. not think about these issues all of the time you know i like to <laughs> watch the sport of professional cycling and drink beer and, yeah, but, we're quite different. Like, I, I like everything to involve this stuff, but for me, it was much more. It was an emotional workout. It felt very emotionally um, relevant. It was, like it, felt, it was, yeah, it brought up a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but it's not an easy watch. It's difficult. No. Like some of it's really, really difficult. And I think um, yeah. I don't think they're really. I think if you were to watch it on iPlayer, which is how we watched it, um, mm. I don't think they're really giving you very many content warnings. But it um, really needs them. Yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, think so. and. and content warning here you know so it's there's definitely kind of bullying there's mm. a, a physical and emotional abuse there's self-harm um there's uh yeah tri tri troubling relationships sex mm -hmm. it's probably on the non-consensual end of things yeah yeah definitely um yeah, all that stuff there is all that stuff and yeah mm. it's it's a big show, and so we want, we want to talk about it. And I think for all yeah. of that, we've done we've talked about other shows before, but this mm. is like I feel like this is the show that is so in our wheelhouse um, yeah. that we're gonna um, go deep. Let's uh, go deep. So do, uh, but also if you don't want to watch the show, you might uh, you might uh, find this podcast valuable because of the stuff that we're talking yeah. about anyway. I think so. I think particularly perhaps the stuff around our early lives and how they impact our relationships mm. later on, I think is kind of a key theme here. Um, and we're definitely going to look at some intersections around gender and class um, mm -hmm. and some of the erasure around race in there and sexuality. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, all of that stuff. Um, a lot about fitting and misfitting as well and belonging, I think, is likely to come up. So if you're interested in those themes, regardless of whether you've watched the show, you might find it interesting. Yeah. So um, would you mm. be able to like lead us? Through, so you've, uh, we're going off your notes this time, MJ. So if you could like yeah. guide us through the notes this time and um, yes. drive, be the driver for the for which, <laughs> which one we're at this time. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that would only work on video, but if we're putting these <laughs> Sorry, little nuggets for people pretending to, video. I was pretending to drive, um, which That's is kind fun. of appropriate because you often see the two characters in the show driving together. Yeah, so, so I looked at where Sligo yeah. was on the map and, mm. um, and how you get there. And it's quicker to drive than to get there by public transport. Like the, the trains yeah. in Ireland seem to be terrible. Um, so there is a lot of driving. And it yeah. takes two, about two and a half hours, I think, from looking up on Google Maps to drive from Dublin to Sligo, which is where wow. they're driving to and from. Which is um, some meaningful some meaningful conversations I had on that drive sometimes. Should, that's I, should right. I just say, like, what, what you know, br- broad brushstrokes for people who haven't watched it then? Yeah. We're, we're talking about two characters who grow up in this small town in, uh, in Ireland, Sligo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, the guy is Connell and the, the lass is Marianne. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really see them through a trajectory in their lives that takes us from the sort of the end of school, the last year of school, all the way through to a few years into university, towards the end of mm-hmm. university, right? Um, yeah. And they both go to the same school and then they go to the same um, university, which is Trinity in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess a key feature is that school, Marianne, is deeply unpopular. And then mm-hmm. at university, um, Connell struggles to fit. So it's mm-hmm. like in their school years, Connell really fits and Marianne really struggles to fit and then it's kind of situation reversed once they get to university um, mm-hmm. and we can talk a bit about why that is mm. and we see both their kind of home lives and their school lives and they have a sexual relationship in when they're in school together which is kept secret and mm. then they continue to kind of dip in and out of having um, a partner type relationship at universities they both see other people sometimes and then sometimes they're together right Oh boy, is it a sexual relationship. There is so much sex in the show. Oh yeah, there's a lot of sex in the show. Yeah. Um, I would say too much, personally. Mm. But we, maybe we can get to that. You can wonder what it is, you know, why it is. It felt a little, yeah. Yeah, well, let's well, get to that. The sex is doing the storytelling, isn't it? That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. So we have to... Well, you, yeah. Yeah. So we have to, like, read into uh, the different meanings for the sex that they're having at the various different times. Yeah, um, I guess how connected they are is really yeah. depicted through sex, and how connected they are to other people, how they how they relate to themselves. It's really we see that in the sex scenes a lot, right? Should also say that the photography and the soundtrack do a lot of work in telling the story yeah. as well. It's really beautiful, like it's absolutely stunning. The show yeah. is incredibly well done. Um, yeah, no matter what you think of the the story or the issues it raises. Mm. Um, okay, so where should we start, MJ? Well, I think for me, there's something, um, you know, so I've read, uh, I haven't read a lot of criticism of the show, but I've read some criticisms of the show and I want to be able to hold like what's good about it and what's not. Mm -hmm. But for me, what felt incredibly powerful and is why it's like the redeeming feature that will stay with me is the way it depicted some aspects of experience that were personally like similar Mm -hmm. to my experience, which Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd ever seen depicted. So I think this depiction of being, being the, the girl in school who's considered ugly and treated mm. as a kind of pariah by everybody was mm. something that I went through at middle school rather than upper school. And to see that de- depicted so compassionately and to be treated as a real thing that could have this sort of lasting damage on a person, mm. that felt big to me. Yeah. Like I don't think I've seen that before. Um, and that felt 
really big um and to sort of and sort of connell's sort of gaslighting around it as well that the guy who's in the same school who's actually having quite an okay time kind mm-hmm. of minimizes and denies her experience and acts like it's okay really and she should just understand that it's just the lads have messing around with her when they're calling her ugly and things like mm. again i had the experience of guys i went to the same school with who did have an okay time at that school like struggling to hear that I didn't have an okay time and maybe mm. that they were part of it. That really helped me to kind of locate the shame around that time in my life in them rather than in me recognizing, mm. you know, cause you could see what Connell was doing that he was like, he just didn't want to see that his mates were atrocious, <laughs> you know, behaving, you know, in yeah. incredibly awful ways. So yeah, all of that felt like really valuable. And it just made me think about the power of fiction to depict things you know how we can then feel better in ourselves when we see something in fiction that's part of our lived experience it's really powerful the the thing that i really got from those uh opening the opening episode uh mm-hmm. is how horrible school is sometimes yeah. most of the science for a lot of people and that some of this kind of behavior some of the kind of the bullying the sexual harassment and mm-hmm. just the um the stuff that is baking in trauma for so many uh, people for the rest of their lives yeah. is seen as kind of like a like a, a rite of passage. It's seen as like this yeah. kind of thing that you have to grin and bear your way through. And sadly, the, most... the stats, if I don't have the stats to hand, but the stats for sexual harassment in UK schools and sexual assaults in UK schools, it's horrendous. That's completely normalised. It's completely um, normalised, yeah. And girls are placed in that awful double bind that we see her in, which mm. is where, you know, to have any acceptance is you have to be sexual harassed and assaulted, mm. you know, and and we see her struggling with that, like, to be accepted, to fit in. She's got to take it. That's awful. Yeah. No, I think we take the most vulnerable human beings, the youngest human beings, and put them in what is effectively prison, um, yeah. you know, and it's grim. And, and I, I really loved how she challenged that. She was like, mm. to one teacher, you know, you yeah. don't, I don't have to be here, you know, um, yeah. and um, yeah, as somebody like that's where I parted company from her in terms of my lived experience because I never challenged that shit. I tried no, to fit no, in, I wish and I like did that. Um, I know to see her sort of set, just calling attention to how just because the school system works that way doesn't mean it's okay. You know, no. her treatment was just not okay, and I guess we see her grapple with it because in some ways she's trying to fit and trying to be okay, and in some ways mm. she just can't allow that because she can see. She can mm. just see how it, not okay it is. I would like, again, I would like to see a lot more criticising that, that whole mm. system and how normalised I mean, bullying is. Yeah. Just to say about, um, yeah, okay, just to pick on, up on that point, any, any teachers listening to this who are mm. thinking about, so in the UK we have to, from, uh, well, technically from September, but who knows, the pandemic is... <laughs> possibly putting everything back but we don't know but from the, the next academic year schools in the UK are going to have to do relationships and sex education it's very complicated I won't go into it but the more important thing is to deal with this like yeah. to, to deal with what's happening in the corridors what's happening in the toilets yeah. what's happening in the playgrounds like deal with that it doesn't matter what you're doing in the classroom if you're not if you, your RSE could be amazing in the classroom but um, mm. if you're not dealing with this stuff your school's damaging kids in around uh, their relationships themselves, each other, and sex in ways that you will never be able to undo in your classroom. Absolutely, ever. yeah. 
Um, yeah. That's where. Speaking that's as a forty-five-year-old who's still trying to undo this damage, yes, exactly. You know, this is what you do. You set people. It sets you up for a lifetime of having to undo the damage. You have to yeah. undo the damage before you get to start on life. That's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, focus on that first. It's called. We call it the whole school approach, but people don't really take that seriously, and people put the lesson plans above everything else. But please do that. Um, I think just thinking about if this was happened to an adult in a workplace, you know, it would be disciplinary, it would be hate crime in some case, you know, it's just, you know, and I know that, you know, these things do happen in workplaces as well and go unspoken, Mm. so it's not just school, but I, you know, I think there's more in place to help adults who go through this stuff, and when it's kids, it's like just seen as part and parcel, and again, that's, you, you get that real sense of how what's happening at school there's no way to go there's no way to go to home and say this is happening and get treated well and it's i think one of your favorite characters um connell's mum is really the only adult who goes like this is not this is just not okay no she's gold um, I, I just want her like in my she's life great. she's just she's amazing really good. um i didn't really so yeah i didn't see myself mm. being written i uh, in this my experience at school i wasn't um in i wasn't mm. friends with connell um yeah I could name the people in my school who were like Connell and his friends. <laughs> I, could, like, <laughs> yeah. I can picture them right now. I was with the the kind of um, the quiet, more uh, indie kids. You know, we were probably yeah. doing versions of this in our own kind of circles, but in kind of I guess in the, our world was much smaller in that way. So the, you know, mm. certainly weren't having certainly I wasn't having sex <laughs> uh, while I was at school. Um, but um, but I think this broader, this bigger thing about how institutions and organisations mm. um, are doing a number on everyone is something that comes out in normal people, but it's also something that comes out in our work, and it's it's not something people pay enough attention to. Like we no. uh, and again, I think some of the criticisms, one of the criticisms that I've read that I did agree with was, um, which we'll come to later on, is the individ- individualisation of problems. Yeah. Uh, with Connell. Uh, and how the focus is on how individuals are navigating uh, uh, problems that are entirely created outside of them, uh, that yeah, are that's created right. at an institutional and societal level. You can look at Connell, and then again, he does later on look at himself back then and see himself mm. as a coward, and he should have been mm. more courageous, he should have stood up to her, you know, because he keeps their relationship a secret because he's worried about what his mates will think, effectively, because she's seen as this ugly girl. Um, and, um, but yeah, you're quite right. And even his mum, you know, is kind of like, you need to sort it out, mate. But there is that thing of like, how easy is that to do to go against the whole totally accepted school system? And that's where the theme of normal people really comes in. I suppose that sense Mm. of normativity, normativity is all about fitting in. Um, and you know, as queer theory kind of says, it's, it's incredibly hard to resist normativity. Like it gets kind of put in us we, we internalize it could i talk a little bit here about masculinity as well while we're just Please, talking about yeah. this um but it really fits in with the idea of um interestingly the the um 
one of the leading uh, theorists and researchers on young masculinities is someone called Connell, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Raywin Connell, yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. But the theory of um, masculine hegemony, so yeah. the, the messages about what it is to be a man, that was the thing mm. that certainly at school Connell was really struggling with because it was like yeah. you're, meant to be, you're meant to be sporty, you're meant to be into shagging, you're meant to take the piss and you're meant to be tough and hard and you're not meant to talk about your talk about your feelings i talk about it in terms of the masculinity donut that there are performed masculinities that form the dough of the donut and then there is the jam of the donut which is feelings and stuff you're not meant to talk about and rule number one of masculinity club is that you don't you don't release your jam and you create more and more dough to protect your jam from spilling out yeah i wrote more about that at my website but then there was that really uh the bit that, re- that really got to me there was um when it was revealed to him by his friends that uh his friend that they all knew that him and Marianne they knew all along he didn't have to keep it secret we you had Ah. had these opportunities to talk about it and they were opportunities for him to talk about it but he couldn't see it Um, yeah so that kind of the cultural messages around masculinity were doing a number on Connell but they're also doing it obviously they're then going on to do a number on everyone else that Connell meets it's like it becomes this it becomes this just uh it is toxic it is it just uh affects everyone around him and that was also happening and with and Marianne's it's not brother. stated but it is the wor- the worst of the bullies is the one who um, ends up killing himself um yeah. so you you know that there is that sense of how mas- that kind of masculinity is presumably really done the number on that guy as well yeah um yeah and it makes it hard you know in all, all kinds of other ways as well he's not really you know it's really hard for him to be a guy who studies and wants to do English literature, isn't it, as well? Yeah. You know, it's like he can't even get in touch with what he really wants in yeah. any way because of this all the dough that's there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's where class intersects with the messages he received so around. So, yeah. um, because if you're into sport and you're, if you're, sp- it's that sporty, uh, it's the jock versus the nerd uh, thing as well, isn't it? But yeah. the, the um, poor, uh, poor lads at school are meant to be into sport and meant to be physical and tough that's how you get status at school yeah but he wants a status well he, he wanted to uh go to uni yeah do english lit um yeah. which he did that was really hard for him and i think there's something about i've heard people talk about as well working class guys who go to uni well working class people who go to uni there's again a different set of um, sort of double binds in place because there's almost a sense you have to reject where you've come from if you're to fit into uni, or you can, or you can keep what you can, where you came from, but always have that sense of not really fitting. It's like the worlds are so different that you're forced to kind of either do this awful thing of kind of moving away from your roots, or this awful thing of keeping hold of your roots but never really fitting into this place you're in where you want to be. Um, again, a kind of a kind of contradiction or uh, conflict that doesn't necessarily happen at all for middle class people, where their roots and the university are much more in line. Big time. Mm. Yeah. I was going. I'm wondering whether I should talk about myself here or not. No, I'm not going to because we've got a lot of notes to get through. We have got a lot of notes. I suppose moving it onto relationships, I think in a way what it is is a depiction of the way that our roots in family and school then impact on our relationship choices. Um, and I was trying to car- get this sense of this bothness um, 
you know of, of why I love it and hate it at the same time and I mm. said like on, on the one hand this is what I wrote in my journal at the time it was like on the one hand it's the story of so many of our lives it's utterly beautiful and understandable and devastating on like searching for and finding and losing mm-hmm. love but on the other hand it's this stupid pointless tragic normativity which takes all their time and energy and emotion where they could be loving their friends and working on their projects and collectively bonding together to address and support each other around real suffering instead of manufacturing this kind of love between them that they spend all of their time and energy on and you know getting really emotionally distraught all the time um distracting themselves maybe from what really matters and it's like both it's both those things a hundred percent that's really a thing that we talk about a lot that they're that who are they doing there are they they're 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 constantly um trying to do what it is that normal people do and then Mm. at the end they're finally unshackling themselves from the normativity script, the, the should script, the, the script of what it is that we should be doing with our lives and think, okay, mm. and it's almost like they can breathe and they've come up for breath and they're like, right, well, let's just, we're going to do, we're going to do us now. So the, the phrase, mm. you do you, uh, really, you know, the, for the first time at the end, it seems to me that they're able to, uh, to appreciate their agency and to appreciate yeah. that they have some power to make decisions and, and a huge amount of freedom. Uh, yeah. But they felt never felt free in their relationship until the final five minutes of the film, of the, yeah. of the show. It seems to me they never felt free and it seems to me they never felt happy together. Um, no. The, uh, I've got a, a, a thing called the relationships graph, which we also have in one of our zines as well, Make Your Own Relationship mm. User Guides. £2.50, available from our website, um, <laughs> on justin.com forward slash publications. Um, it seems to me that, you know, thinking about their relationship, the, the, um, it never seemed to be a very healthy relationship, really. I mean, they were, mm. they were drawn to each other and the chemistry was there constantly, but it was never healthy because they were never allowing each other to be, to be free, but also the normativity that they were trying to stick to never allow them to be free. The thing that I really thought about here was when um, at university, their friend Peggy suggested a threesome. Yeah, uh, Peggy's awesome. Love Peggy. Peggy mm. and Lorraine and Niall. Love I like characters. Joanna as well. Joanna was yeah. just a solid friend, like really great. Yeah, I thought I mean, she, was, she was nice. Yeah. Do, yeah. Um, uh, sorry, I was getting sidetracked by another point in my head, but I'm coming back to the point in my we'll head, which is, the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when uh, Pegasus just as a threesome, and mm. they were just like shocked. I was like, oh, why didn't you just do that, or at least consider it? You know, like yeah. here is like a way of, um, you know, one way of doing. It, clearly, it's a very, very sexual relationship, um, and clearly, here is an opportunity to just do something else. But they both immediately shut it down without even thinking about whether this is something mm. that they might want to do. Though Marianne said that she would do that for Connell. So there was this whole <sighs> consent issue going on of them both trying to like be there for each other. Um, yeah. And because that's what they were, I guess that's what they were taught. They were, they were trying to be the ideal partner for the other person within well, yeah, a very were... constructing normative, constrictive normative system. And I think that is what, you know, you'd, the thing is, it's this number that, that trauma plus our cultural norms does on us is that, you know, the trauma that they, and, and it's hard to know quite what Connell's was, but I guess he lost his dad. I can't remember in what way, but he's just, he's got a single parent, right? Yeah, they never talk about the dads. And pretty traumatic just in terms of what, like what went on at school, even though 
he was the in a way the perpetrator rather than the survivor. Mm. Anyway, there's a, there's a sense that they are both carrying some trauma, right? Um, he's certainly very anxious and then gets very depressed at one point. Um, and and you know when people have lost that kind of care and protection too early or haven't had it and she certainly doesn't have it in her home situation it's really easy to want to get it out there in some way yep. and i think that our culture tells us that the main out there place to get it from is a romantic relationship a big time. Um, and that you really see them doing that you know they've they've gone from that situation and i guess especially when he gets to university he's completely lost you know and there's the sense that they they go to each other to give yeah. each other what they've lost or what they've lacked um when they were and younger and in a way it's a positive that they get you know they only do it to the end of university and then there's a sense that they might actually be together enough to like go out into the world on their own that they're choosing to go out into the world on their own and not keep doing it either with themselves or each or other people like you know really got <laughs> it takes most really people longer than that I think that with this, with the sex certainly, and just the way that, and this, what they're giving, what they're trying to give to each other, uh, it felt like they were trying to fill up a bucket with a hole in it. It was yeah. like, um, and I think after a while they kind of realised that it wasn't going to give them what it is that they needed, but because they were just seeking everything from one thing, um, and it mm. was giving them there was the law of diminishing returns. It was giving them less and less. Uh, they both also, sort of reach. Yeah, sorry, Karen. Go on. But also, they, 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 the, uh, <laughs> they both. <laughs> but both also, because they did have relationships with other people, they did also mm. figure out, start to figure out what it is they actually wanted. And when yeah. they couldn't give each other what they wanted, they realised, well, yeah, this isn't. Maybe this isn't the relationship that's going to give us everything. But the to come back to your point of that, it felt like they were. I mean. Uh, the the very kind of um, uh, oh what's the word the uh, the very basic way of looking at this the very mm. vulgar way of looking at this would be to say they were looking for their romantic relationship to replace their missing dads and Marianne's missing relationship with her brother like you know or decent relationship with the brother and, and mum yeah <laughs> and everything well and both of them to to be their place of belonging right so instead yeah. of like where Marianne didn't belong in school and where Connell didn't belong in mm. uni, again, looking to each other to fulfil all of those needs. But mm. yeah, I think we see them, in a way, we see them both reach a rock bottom where they come back to themselves and get support from elsewhere, like Connell going mm. to a therapist. Yeah, I think that's quite pivotal that they both reach a rock bottom where they don't turn to each other, where they do kind of find that in a resource, albeit that they become a really helpful supports to each other through that process, mm. not necessarily in a romantic relationship at that point for for Connell, um, but it, but at that point they they they're just one support, and you really see you really see Marianne being with Joanna at that point, and other conversations happening, and 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 sort of falling back on work projects and other things. Yeah, it's like it really shifts from it being all encompassing them yeah. looking after each other. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, again, if we just apply a relationship anarchy lens to this, uh, mm. you know, if they'd have known about relationship anarchy and that what if um, the phrase that I got from your excellent book, Rewriting the Rules, um, what if we treat our friends like partners and our partners like friends, you know, like mm. what, um, what, I mean, maybe this was going on with Colin's relationship with Niall and um, mm. Marianne's relationships with uh, Peggy and uh, Joanne. Joanne? Joanna? I think jo it was Joanna, but... One of Joanna, those, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but even then, there was the sense that uh, that your best friend is never as important as your as the yeah. one. You know, and it's like we talk about this all the time, but look at the harm that it does when you put one relationship on a shelf in order to continually keep going to this other relationship. Look at the harm yeah. it does for those friends. It does for those friends who could be having a really <sighs> good relationship with, and and look at the harm it does for the relationship that you're focusing on, and look at the harm yeah. it does for you. It's just absolutely. You really see that when they're on holiday in Italy, and like. Yeah. Um, Marianne decides oh it will be fine to just like have her friends and her partner and her ex-partner yeah. and, and her ex's friend all together in one house and it's just not good not no. a good scenario for anybody no, no, but no. yeah and again it's like there's something about the whole show though in centering Connell and Marianne so much that you do get that sense of like everybody else is just a supporting character for this so important relationship and that's just a bit tiresome at times as well, well it's just like yeah actually all these other people are more interesting than you guys you know so well as we a way like yeah maybe them. we could maybe if we step yeah. out of the show for five minutes and look at that like it's the yeah. whenever we do we did a watch along of four weddings and a funeral recently uh mm. dear patrons uh well patrons first but it's also on our free feed now as well um <laughs> and um in that we were saying God, the most boring relationship here is the one with Carrie and Charles, like the yes. Hugh Grant and Andy McDowell. All the friends were way more interesting. And what if there was four weddings and a funeral that was about basically all the friends? And there might have yeah. been some romance in there and there might have been some shagging in there. But if we could tell everyone's stories, it would be so much more interesting. And I feel mm. that way about this, that there is That's a critique a similar here. vibe. Yeah. yeah, there's a critique here about... Um, what is a romantic drama, a romantic relationship drama doing? Like, what what message does that show tell us about um, what it is, mm. how we should relate to each other, what relationships matter, um, and how we're meant to do them? What In what ways is normal people reflecting at normativity and amplifying that normativity rather than inviting us to critique it yeah. or to subvert it i don't think it is actually i mean no. we're doing it but um the it could have done it on the show it could have actually it, kind of asked those questions yeah uh, and also what are we doing as podcasters constantly talking about these shows that are essentially normative so maybe what we as podcasters should be doing is to find the shows that are that are not centering romantic relationships so much and talking it's about like, those go so and watch this yeah 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 we should do that too um yeah. but the, the i guess the issue is that the dominant culture is telling mm. us that it's these kinds of relationships that are meant to matter. These are the ones we're meant to talk about. And what we're doing as podcasters is basically saying normativity is this, you know, the 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 common sense, um, the common sense uh, dominant kind of thoughts around relationships are this. This is what we're this is what normativity is, and what we're supposed to be thinking about and doing. And what yeah. we're saying is, can we not? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, even though we enjoyed this, can we? Yeah. Yeah. It would be really nice to see films about friendship. <laughs> yeah. Popular Other films that everyone of... was talking about that were not yeah. about romantic relationships. Shows. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, yeah. Which we know exists before you, before you tweet us or send us emails. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. But Shall we move on? I think it's about it's about ones that about shows that get talked about everywhere, isn't it? That's the really. You know, that's that's the, partly why we watched it, I think, and partly why, well, I watched it anyway. 
Yeah, um, we always talk about yeah. that. When we when yeah. we talked about Master of None before, um, Aziz Ansari was involved in. Uh, well, it turned out to be that he was um, abusing his position mm. of uh, power in uh, TV and Hollywood and stuff. Um, uh, but normal, um, what was Master of None was a show mm. that did kind of a bit. Uh, critique some of these ideas about mm. the relationship that we're meant to be interested in but ultimately it did fall back to the telling the story of the romantic relationship uh, so many do more than anything else where really the really interesting episodes of Master of None were all about the relationships um, yeah the and a lot about absolutely. yeah sorry I'm going talking about another show now we've mm. done that show Go and look, <laughs> if you want to watch Master of None and listen to us talk about it we've done that one Let's move on in the notes, MJ, because we're about yeah, to me we're a quarter of the way on, through. <laughs> I think we've touched on quite a few of those, actually, that, that yeah, come next. I, I just wanted be. to mention that um, I think something that was helpfully depicted in those early episodes was how, you know, they have this bubble of intense connection. Like mm. the sex between them is really great. They really mutually understand. There's a real sense they understand each other on a level they're not getting understood by anybody else hmm. but at the same time there's a very non-consensual dynamic between them and connell really is treating hmm. her like dirt at this point mm-hmm. and i think it's really just a good one to raise that it's nice to see that depicted useful to see that depicted because hmm. i think people can really easily feel like if they've got that kind of love or that kind of sex that means it must be an, a good relationship overall and mm-hmm. we really see that it's possible to have both in one place, like something really non-consensual going on, as mm-hmm. well as something really good going on. Like a young person once asked, a young person, Connell's age, asked me once, mm. uh, am I in love or is it just really good sex? And I'm like, good question. <laughs> and I think if that was a question that they could have uh, asked themselves, you know, that they were having, uh, we've a bit talked about this, like sexual love, and mm. that chemistry that they had is certainly intoxicating. And the, the, did, there was that bit about uh, consent where Connell said, you know, we can stop if it's painful or whatever. It's always okay to stop. I'm like, okay, that's good. It's kind of basic still. But also, yeah. like, what kinds of sex were they having? It was inevitably penis and vagina yes. sex. It was always in every single fucking... Even when there was a bit of non-penis and vagina sex, it was just foreplay leading to more, more penis and vagina sex. So they were following a social script around what sex was and it turned out that Marianne wanted something else and at mm-hmm. the first first moment she asked for something else um, Connell couldn't give it to her and he wanted to give her absolutely everything apart from that but anyway to go back to what you were talking about mm-hmm. which is that to be able to have um, a consensual um, consensual sex within a relationship that is really really non-consensual um, in the way that Marianne was being treated at school and how he was um, just completely shutting off uh, mm. any, of, any of his emotion around her at school and shutting off any uh, tenderness towards her at school really is really was abusive and yeah. non-consensual. Uh, and so that can happen. And so just because it, the sex might feel good and consensual doesn't mean the relationship is, right? Or even, um, that, in the, even in that bubble there was that real mutual understanding that outside the bubble, what was happening yeah. was really not okay. Um, yeah. And I think that's, again, I haven't seen that depicted much, that sense that you can have that sense of a, in the bubble it's working, but outside the bubble it's really not okay. And that people can use that sense of the, the goodness in the bubble to justify what else is going on and stick yeah. with it, which is what Marianne kind of does until she doesn't anymore. Yeah. 
I mean, what also what they explicitly weren't doing was having the conversation, which is uh, talking about what kind of relationship it was and to yeah. what extent, um, and and they were just conflating. They were conflating sex with love. They were having sex without mm. demonstrate without telling the world that they were having any kind of uh, feelings. But they were, but they weren't. That doesn't mean that they were separating sex and love. They were just kind of like. Uh, they they were equating love with sex and and sex with love, weren't they? But and with they, and with me, so yeah. Did go on. Uh, and with mutual understanding as well. I think that you would really see that at the end of the first year of uni when they have a massive misunderstanding about yeah. you know they both they both actually want the same thing, which is to move in together, but they manage to completely misunderstand and break up with each other instead. Mm. Um, and I think it's because they've got that bubble that they're used to feeling like we, we know each other inside out, that they don't realise it's still completely, po- they're not telepathic. You know, he, he really thinks he said to her, I want to move in with you. And he hasn't at all. Like he just, no. he's not said that at all. And no, she's no, no, got no. completely the wrong end of the stick. And they do that a few times where it's like, because we feel these things for each other or because we have this really intense sexual connection, therefore they must know what's going on in my head. And that's not the case. Well, and they're not dangerous. talking... They're not talking enough about enough about their outsides, are they? And mm. but they're just coming from such a uh, a place of scarcity that they are not really wanting to interrogate what their actual situation is. So at that moment when Connor mm. could have moved in with her, he didn't really just want to say, "Look, I'm poor. You have more resources than I do. Can I move yeah. in with you?" It would make sense because he uh, maybe he's got like shame of being working class or poor, but and couldn't say that. But also. He then later brought this up with Marianne, and Marianne was in the position of power there, where she could have seen that and offered it. And it's a, yeah. the I guess this is where it kind of, um, you know, if in that in that bubble they were because they everything was unsaid and they're just literally going off vibes. Their whole the whole relationship is just like vibe, <laughs> like mm. <laughs> how they do consent is well vibes feel good um but they were kind of relying on that for everything in their relationship and they were trying to rely on on that for these really difficult conversations and it was only later yeah. that they could articulate it and to be fair to them and they're right. young you know they're young people who have had probably very poor sex and relationships education but this is what's happening absolutely and that, that all of it's infused with gender because marianne has really learned that she needs to be something for other people in order to get love and it's infused with class because there is that shame and that sense of that difference between us, which um, he wasn't able to really bring up. Um, yeah. And yeah, so like, again, thinking about power and how it enables or, or stops them being able to communicate seems really important here. The power did kind of go uh, backwards and forwards a lot, didn't it? But it was never as clear as one person having more power than another person. No, and I like because that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that that they yeah. both yeah they both struggled with mental health um, and then the gender and the class you know we really saw how both of those things were really massively in play for them and 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 really restricted them. In different I guess ways. the thing the thing to take away from that though is that you can't navigate power just from vibes like you have to talk yeah. about what your you have to. <laughs> what your privileges are and what your disprivileges <laughs> are in order to be able to navigate them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I, I suppose, yeah, maybe we could talk about the the sort of kink element. That seems like another yeah. big one for us. Um, 
so the so Marianne at one point well a couple of points in the show seems to be exploring a kinky dynamic with a, with another person not with Connell um, and it's depicted very negatively really it's depicted mm. as a kind of self-harm by proxy really mm. that she wants somebody to hurt her um, mm. it feels like to me she's able to reach this real intimacy and this real uh, being with herself and with another person with Connell but somehow the sex she has with other people she can't maybe she dissociates mm. a bit and what she wants is some pain and, and maybe punishment to bring her back into her body or mm. maybe there's a sense of like she deserves it or she wants to give herself to another person in order to mm. feel deserving of love there's all, all that kind of stuff going on that which which does go on but I suppose my real um, beef with it would be this is mostly the depiction that we see in the movies and shows of kink mm -hmm. that usually it's about somebody who's been abused or is struggling mentally in some way um, and kink is only depicted that light and it's only depicted as something that's bad for them um, yeah. and that's really what we saw here and it's just it doesn't it's not to say that can't be the case but it's not necessarily any more the case than with any other kind of sex nice. um, and yeah it would be nice to see kinky people where it's not solely related to their trauma and it would be nice to see kink that can take people to a place of healing as well as one of harming yeah 100% and that could um, I could imagine a, a, a storyline that had well there wasn't enough story I think in the TV show ultimately I think it was pretty <laughs> sparse apparently that's what a bit how it is in the book as well but um, you know there is definitely a storyline there where um, Marianne finds a, 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 like empowerment and nurturing through um, through mm. kink and yet she was choosing at, at the end there with Connell like she was asking for um, she was asking she was um uh, topping from the bottom, and I guess yeah. she was asking uh, Connell to do these things that Connell really didn't want to do, and so we're kind of then being asked like, who is the normal person here? But actually, another way of framing it, just an equally valid way of framing this, would be what was going on in Connell's upbringing and in his background and his early experiences mm. with uh, sex, in order that he is so vanilla that he didn't want to even yeah. do that. But also, they couldn't even have a conversation about it, you know that again they were wanting to just go with vibes and not actually yeah. talk about it but um first of all a, a conversation about kink shouldn't be had whilst you're having another form of sex and that no. way, like bringing it up in that way was they could have done that a bit better yeah. um but it's just i know the show's not about kink it just it interests me why they included it at all if it well wasn't i think to, it would have been way better about. not to yeah i yeah. think you don't this is where it's lazy in a way or i have a problem with it um yeah. it's like if you're going to depict uh, marginalized sexuality or gender in your sh you know if you're going to have a trans character a gay character by mm. character if you're going to depict kitten you know you need to think responsibly like these are the, the the only depictions that we have of the you know there's very few depictions of kink that are anything other than this like what does yeah. it mean to just add to that and i feel like there's a few levels on which that's the case i think people of color and race is a really similar issue like you really need to think about where you're depicting people of color in your show and it is simply not okay to have the only two black men in the show be a ne a, a, a fascist apologist yeah and then um an, an abusive dom not okay it's not okay 
No, it's there just was, simply uh, not. <laughs> there was a black character at school who was pretty silent yeah, as well. very silent. Yeah. Exactly. We see people in the background and you're thinking, well, if Marianne's having this experience in Sligo, what the hell is yeah. it like for the very few people of colour in that school? Yeah. Um, you know, we don't get any insight into that. And we just see, again, the black character kind of going along with the bullying. Like, you know, would he have done? Would he have had a different mm. insight given what his likely school experience was? Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, I think people of colour as as only being the kind of problematic exes who are com- who are sort of worse in comparison than Marianne or than Connell. No, not great, you know, so... I feel like the kink, I feel like race, and I feel like smoking as well. I think it's just lazy these days to depict people as smoking all the time as if it's cool and sexy. And it really, yeah. you know, like the camera lingers on it. I know there's stuff in film studies or whatever about what smoking does visually or some, some shit like that. Mm. I don't care. I don't care. Don't show everyone smoking all the time. No. Just, no. People don't, young people don't <laughs> smoke that much, but don't know. Yeah, and what does it do yeah. to, you know, to have this kind of cool image of them smoking all the time like really big to well, you know, with this you know well you know with media we can't we can't say that uh that having that in you know media doesn't have that hypodermic effect or no, no, so. no, we, don't, we wouldn't <laughs> say that about we wouldn't say that about porn mj would we but yeah no. it is like just complex, but it is it, it, it does seem like a bit of a lazy um uh way of having characters like to get characters outside of the venue for example to have a conversation or yeah to, yeah to, for somebody to doing something with their hands or something it, it does feel a bit um there's a lot of drinking yeah. as well you know that's true um uh in in that kind of same way um but again it would be i guess it would also be tokenistic to have like a a teetotaler there um not so mm-hmm. you know yeah, I guess in in the same way that we're talking about, but um, certainly, I wonder whether I wonder whether the the that uh, kink and the 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 potential for non-monogamy with with Peggy um, was mm. brought in in order to reflect what nor- normal is like. Are they are they trying to do that? But uh, and that's the thing when you bring in like um, a, a token person of color um, mm. and like an underwritten kink script that yeah. what it's doing is reinforcing the, the idea of default and what normal is but i don't think that the i don't think that it was written well enough or enough attention was paid to it to really to say anything meaningful about um what normal is and how normal is harmful and actually yeah. that that uh that kink and potentially non-monogamy is not is not harmful do you know well, not necessarily being... yeah. yeah 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 no that, i agree i don't, don't want to yeah. i don't want to see kink and non and non-monogamies depicted as if they're always wonderful because i think that's also really dangerous and kink and poly communities have been re- recently having conversations about exactly this the kind of idea Big that time. you have to present them as brilliant means that a load of me too garbage and even worse stuff has been going on you know mm-hmm. in those communities that really needs really uh, shining things. a light on mm-hmm. um and yeah, but 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 to only have the depictions, you know, it's part of the same problem. If the only depictions are negative, then it means those mm. communities need to pre- present themselves as only positive in order to kind of um, re- it respond to that. And and that means a lot of really bad stuff does go undercover. And it's just there's just no reason. That, well, the research suggests there's no reason to think it's any worse in no. kink or non-monogamy as it is in monogamy or vanilla relationships. 
No. It's not necessarily better, but it's not necessarily worse. And it could be better if we weren't fighting this kind of depiction all the time, potentially, yeah. you know. <sighs> yes. And I know that this show isn't sex education. Like, it's not, it's not formal sex education, but it is. Like, when mm. we're in a world where people are getting so little relationships and sex yeah. education is critical, then it really, um, then that is what it's doing. Okay, so the final thing I want to say, I want to quote, the thing that made me cry in the last episode. Mm -hmm. Connell says, look at me a second. No one is ever going to hurt you like that again. Mm. Everything's going to be all right, trust me, because I love you and I'm not going to let anything like that happen to you again. Mm. And that undid me completely. Um, And I think the what i loved about this so he's he's kind of she's called him when Mm. she's been in this abusive dynamic at home Mm. um with her brother and and her mum and he's come and pulled her out of there and so what i don't necessarily like you know it has to be the romantic relationship but i do like this that we have to open the windows on these kind of abusive Mm. dynamics that happen in homes and that's what happens is that she's finally able to let someone see what's happening there mm. and somebody's able to come and say this is not okay yeah. you don't do this anymore um, and I did really like to see that depicted it felt really powerful mm. that you know we need to, we need to get better at seeing when in the private sphere mm. in the nuclear family in the couple things are happening that are just not okay just like in the school system as we started with and you know be let be letting people know that's not okay because they won't necessarily know because it's all they they've all they've ever had yeah i mean that was i found it really powerful mm. that i had a lot of different thoughts and feelings around that because Please, you know i want to hear them. it is like i'm someone who is like really critical of romantic love <laughs> mm. you know really one reading of that is that he's taking her away from a place of uh, unsafety into what looks like safety but what is he doing to make it safe like what's like as i've been saying all the way through the only way that i've been they've been making it safe is vibes um yeah in what way is it safe and in what what's he and is it into another private yeah it's like to the new privacy of the couple from the privacy of the nuclear family it's so dangerous that things just may get repeated there it's like how do we how do we open the windows on those situations and show people what's going on so that people can say this really doesn't feel okay much more widely and i think it it does sort of pay off because she starts to then do her own work and make herself safe yeah um but she didn't necessarily you know it could be that they just got into a really messed up dynamic we'd seen them have it before it could have got worse and worse and got pretty bad there yeah I mean, it, mm. does, it does seem like safety is something that was really a thing that they were both wanting. Like he was wanting to give her safety mm. and she was wanting to receive safety from him. Like, she, she, yeah. she's coming from a place of such uh, deprivation of safety that anything would feel safer. So even in the earlier episodes when she was being treated poorly by Connell at school, as his mum was pointing out, um, and mm. within the bubbles, she felt it felt safe that she would take that because she got no affection no safety no comfort no nurturance at home at all yeah so care and protection is a good thing i've seen the trauma literature that described you know the lack of care and the lack of protection Mm. so she's seeking both those things from him and when we don't get those met that's often what we're seeking in others so it's both that kind of loving care 
and also that safety and protection. Yeah. But I think he was mm. also kind of wanting to get that from her too. I guess there was Yeah. The they're both just so they're both just so giving to each other, weren't they? What's the, the bell hooks um thing it was that you often bring up here about um from the, the book that she wrote about love. Uh, All about love. Yeah. yeah um, like valuing ourselves and others equally. Yeah. Just you, if you can't really love someone, if you love them as an object, it's the... the yeah, um, absolutely. The, and yeah. that's kind of what they were doing, that they, they, they were both wanting to be a person for the other person rather than to be themselves with another person. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the point that they got to. And again, I think that's a point that's something we all learn from experience. And again, Claxon, we've... I've certainly struggled with this. <laughs> I've never, I was not born a relationship anarchist, critical thinker about sex and relationships. I, you know, and a lot of what I've learned, I've learned from you, from your amazing <laughs> well, rewriting the rules. You, like, but like, you know, I'm <laughs> 44 you. and I'm still not getting it right. So. No, absolutely. Well, this stuff, this just does a number on you and the fact that you are, again, like that kind of school culture the fact we're so immersed in it mm. means that we have to learn it then we have to unlearn it you know the unlearning it may even be a lifelong journey but it certainly you know takes a long time and I just yeah I wish that we didn't I guess again it's sort of back in a loop to what does this kind of show do because it reinforces a lot of these things that then people have to unlearn you know the hard way and then we're still watching these kind of shows so they're still getting reinforced and it's it does a number on you like even though I speak these things you know sometimes i can really feel that force that gravitational pull of like this is how you do relationships mm. kind of yanking me back big even time. though i think about this stuff all the time big time yeah mm. yeah uh okay <laughs> going back through the notes is the no i think we're good yeah we've done that mm. with everything unless there was anything else you wanted to pick up on no um I guess there's just one other thing about the the university, like the talking about the institutions mm. that the school did number on um, certainly Marianne, and then the opposite happened at university. That Connell really, really struggled at university, and apparently in the books he struggles a great deal more. Um, mm. And um, it is like what, what can inst- what can the university institution be doing to help working class kids in you know, to, right. you know, that I think also particularly Trinity, well, I'm, I'm kind of reading that Trinity is like a kind of an Oxbridge kind of, um, yeah, university. It is, yeah. um, and so that comes with it, a real, um, a really exclusionary kind of culture and one that he well, never fits into. And at no point in the show is the, is the, uh, is there any inherent criticism of, um, Trinity uh, or yeah. middle classness uh, that it aspires the and the kind of upper middle classness that it, it aspires to, and also I think just Irish kind of politics and Irish culture. I know mm. only a little about it, but I know that politically Ireland's been very um, uh, as not been a left wing place. It's not been a socialist mm. place. It, all governments in Ireland have been. Um, uh, of the right and it is that kind of neoliberal self-made man kind of story that we're talking about with Connell right you know if you work hard yeah. at school it's a, a meritocracy yeah. and if you work hard at university you'll get on and I'm like how realistic no. is this and also it's particularly for someone who is experiencing so yeah. much outsiderness and so much um you know how did he get to the top of his class um mm. is it I mean it reminds me of um 
uh, that Matt Damon film uh, with Robin Williams, uh, where oh, he's the yeah, mass prodigy. Um, good, Goodwill, That's Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. It just yeah. turns out that he's got all these, uh, that he's a mathematical genius and um, mm. he's a cleaner at the university. And so how did Connell become this uh, yeah. you know, English literature but again, we, we need that critique of the system. You know, this is what infuriates me now I've left academia is the more and more I look back, it's like um, thinking about like the way he's expected to kind of produce these ideas in these tutorials. And it's, you know, like if you've got people in those groups who have literally been trained their whole life to be people pleasing, to never question authority, you've got people in that room who if they question authority, it would maybe put them in danger, mm. you know, in terms of class and in terms of race. And then you're, you're putting them, it's like some kind of level playing field with people yes. who've been, in, you know, been yeah. taught how to debate and taught that it's really good, you know, like, I do these viva examinations where people are meant to defend their work mm. but some of those people have literally been trained their whole life never to question authority always to accept any critique that's made of mm. them because it would be dangerous or just wrong otherwise it's not a level playing field no, really and then point. you've got to ask like what's even what's even being assessed in the exams and the essays you know how much is that assessment simply privilege of who's learned how to do it you see him not knowing the rules of the game and mm. you see other kids knowing the rules of the game right well he but has to it's, it's so unequal it's not even you know it's, it's a level playing field it's like a bloody cliff you know? exactly and it, it is it is presented like if you work hard enough and you're talented enough <sighs> you'll get there but also just materially he's having to work like two or yeah. three jobs when would he have Absolutely. the time to do all the reading? Materially, also in his, you know, his brain has literally been trained to do, and you know, and, and her brain to an extent in terms of gender. Yeah, no, it's on every level. You're expecting something nigh on impossible from people. You can't, you can't train people in one direction and then expect them to just suddenly flip in the other direction. Yeah. In terms of think, you know, not having imposter syndrome, thinking your ideas are equally valid to other people's. You know, it's just not going to happen. No. Um, you know, it's, and, and I see that, like looking at academic colleagues who, who feels able to speak out and who doesn't, who, you know, who feels confident enough to operate in that system and who's constantly questioning themselves. You know, it's not it's not a good system. No. And there's always there are always more barriers for working class kids mm. after there's there's always yeah. a barrier that you will reach at some point. And so, yeah. You know, he's got a he got he won a scholarship at Trinity, uh, which made apparently in the book it made his life easier in one way, but really hard in another because he had no money and he had to always eat in um, when he was yeah. depressed. He had to always eat in the uh, like refectory, which is a very posh place and very ex further kind of isolating and excluding. But then he also at the end mm -hmm. got a scholarship to um, do creative writing in in New York and stuff. And like really. Like he's the mm. working class kid is getting is so naturally brilliant apparently, um, despite materially being massively disadvantaged um, in a system that privileges um, middle classness mm. and middle class thought. That he's getting all it's no, 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 no. It's a when fantasy. again it's a similar it's a similar critique to race, isn't it? That uh, we only ever see the depictions of you know, working class people and people of colour who are that extraordinary. Yeah. And there's that kind of expectation that you have to, you know, you should somehow be that extraordinary. Um, yeah, 
similar to the depiction about disability like that's a classic for that mm. it's like you only get to be dis you only get to be depicted as a disabled person if you're like an olympic athlete you know or yeah. a total genius or you know yeah can we talk about bodies as well because I, I think it's something we've not mm-hmm. really talked about yes please um so uh connell and marianne happen to the actors playing them are wonderful actors they uh mm. Honestly, I think it was just the acting that kept me, that really kept me in it. Um, yeah, but, yeah, I agree. Um, Connell is tall, which is a thing that it keeps coming up that he is tall. Uh, and I know, yeah. I understand that because I'm a man who's tall as well. So I understand mm-hmm. that there is like a men should look a particular way and that there is like a, a thing. Uh, anyone who's mm-hmm. watched Love is Blind <laughs> will know that t- men being having to be tall is a thing, which is. Awful, uh, awful. Uh, also, he's very hench for someone who drinks so much. <laughs> and um, uh, you know, he's very uh, muscly. And Marianne is slim and very pretty, like very, very pretty. Like she got bullied at school for not being attractive, but she's very, very, very pretty. Well, this is why I love it and hate it at the same time. Again, is this one because. I think it is really valuable to show that it actually makes no difference what a person actually looks like yeah. if they are taught at ho- if they're told at home and at school or one or both places that they're ugly they will always feel ugly yeah. and they will always ha- they will spend the rest of their life at war with their bodies unless they can heal that in some way and it's going to be really hard so that is really good to see because that is the case and it does make sense of why you know a lot of people would be frustrated and just be like oh well but can't you see you're gorgeous and get on with it that is not the case as we know from many people with eating disorders for example um and at the same time what does it what does it do that the depiction of the person who who is seen as ugly is of somebody that gorgeous you know it's it's both and it is it is i mean it's uh our bodies aren't just bodies it's not uh, there our bodies are red and it's so it's very complicated there's but there's an extremely good open university (sighs) online module i did about this just clicked through about phenomenology and stuff it's uh oh i know that one it's very good embodiment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. when i was writing about uh how we feel about our bodies at at bish but uh, just in terms of like depictions and who gets to have sex and who's allowed to have sex um, but also, yeah, we don't. Jo- Joanna, Joanna is, um, I guess, seen. It's sort of like the tokenistic fat friend. You yeah. know, again, it's sort of similarly problematic to the kind of people of color, like just friends in the background yeah. depiction. Um, and again, yeah, we don't see her being sexual. Um, there's even there's even sort of when they're sitting on the swimming pool and she's covered up and Marianne isn't. You know, it's it's uncomfortable what they're doing there. Yeah. Um, and also. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was that their bodies also are perfectly a map onto the gender expectations of how uh, you're meant to look. So what if it? What if Marianne had been yeah. tall and muscly uh, yeah. and like thick, and he'd been small and slight? They even kind of make that thing of that the guy she's seeing, who's a real knobhead, like yeah. that he's small. Like yeah. it keeps coming up that he's short, and it's like. It's a bit like the kind of small penis thing that was pretty much the first podcast we did, right? It's, there's something oh, of that yeah, going on there, yeah. of like somehow, Popular you know, inferior. Yeah, it was a good podcast. Yeah. Do go back People and listen like to, to yeah. that one. 
Yeah. But yeah, yeah there's, there's something about like small guys, isn't there? Oh, it's not okay to be small and, you know, it's not attractive to be small if you're a guy. And that's just so sad and not true. I mean, that stuff keeps coming up and mm. it's inviting us to critique it. Or is it? Or is it just reinforcing it? So it's weird how the normal people thing is uh, is mm. operating in that um, the, there are characters here, I guess, trying to trying to be normal people when they've had all of the the disprivileges that meant mean that being normal and like having a normal happy childhood is, is very difficult for marianne and presumably for mm-hmm. connell although it's not talked about because of what happened you know where's dad um mm. but his mum's awesome so um yeah but then love lorraine uh um but then we're kind oh. of but then there's and the normal people, know, just yes. like. <laughs> uh, but then there's the normal people that we are that we mm. ourselves are looking at. You know, we're just looking at very normal yeah. people doing normal things, and it's only normal people who get to have sex, and normal people have romantic relationships, doing extremely normal. Th- so we're being invited to critique it rather than it being critiqued internally, which I think is. Um, yeah. I think it's one of the problems for the show, but. Um, Despite all of that, I really enjoyed the show. It's, uh, but you know, you can enjoy things and critique them and be. Uh, I think know. you absolutely have to. I hope that people enjoy our podcast and critique it. Like you know, I think it's terrifying um, to imagine people simply accepting anything without you know, like this. There's just always going to be stuff you get wrong and you don't know. And you could say that normal people is a step above quite a lot of shows, and that's frightening because of how much it's not good as well you know but i think it's it's important to have that both andness of uh enabling of, of being able to enjoy it and critique together yeah. of whatever media you're consuming like um not to go so far into simply dismissing it and shaming it as having no worth but also not to go so far into having to say it's brilliant and perfect when it clearly isn't yeah just don't tell us about your mm. critiques <laughs> of our show <laughs> You have to be gentle about that with us, because well, gentle, constructive criticism. If you're actually dealing with the people, I mean, I guess we haven't been making this show for Sally Rooney to have a listen, or maybe being a bit more gentle if we had. No, no, no. We're we're, we're being part of the cultural <laughs> phenomenon that is that a lot of people are watching more yeah. people, and there's hot take after hot take, and we both watch yeah, this show, not... which is all about sex and relationships, and we're doing a podcast about it. We're not, you know, yeah. I loved it. I, I really enjoyed watching it. It's, 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 it's. Uh, it, it did everything because it was. Um, it had limitations, but also it, it was depicting some things that I've never seen depicted that are really important, yeah. as we talked about, particularly with the school stuff, which can make mm-hmm. it a really, really difficult watch, but an important watch. And um, yeah, and just I'm the, glad the, I saw it, and it will stay with me. Yeah, me um, too. You know, and and that and that quote from from Connell about that I read out. You know, it just if you can take it out of the context of you need a romantic relationship to save you, I think it's a it's a really good thing to say to yourself or for other people to say to you. It is. Yeah. And I think that's the mm. thing, that she did learn to do that for herself. The other thing exactly. I was going to say about that scene was that basically, so that's so all that, so that's, that's put an end to that then, has it? That Connell's just gone up to her brother, Alan, and said, if oh, you ever yeah. touch her again, I'll fuck you up. And then it's like, really and he's much taller than her brother and it's like yeah so the only way to be safe is is to For be violent to keep you safe gosh yeah you know it's yeah, like and to be violent yeah and uh, and that it works like that as well 
that that's mm. that that's how that's not how it works um you know but and the and the mum the mum is very demonized in that but cl you know you could another reading of it is that she's left in an incredibly unsafe situation yeah you know and was already unsafe with the father and is now unsafe with the brother yeah there's all kinds of stuff that could be uh, unpacked a bit more there yeah and the culture that reifies mm. masculinity in the home and how it's the men that have to succeed yeah. and the women uh can succeed once the men have had their had their success first but if the man doesn't have a success then women not allowed to have success mm -hmm. and also that it's there are only men and women in this world aren't there Yes, we didn't see much queer depiction at all. I could, say, I think it would have been nice to see some queer depiction yeah. in this uh, in this show. Yeah, or just queerness as a possibility of any kind. You yeah. Know? Um, so gendered the school, right? And again, that shows. I mean, I really like to see that that was a big part of that bullying system. Mm. It's just how gendered it was, and what's acceptable for women in that context, and what's acceptable for men was just vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we may have said enough. Yeah, let's stop talking. People. This is not like, we're, we're <laughs> yeah. not aiming for this to be the ultimate hot take either. And it's not even no. a hot take. We're not really reviewing it. We're just talking about the issues it raises. So is, a, is that a warm take? A warm, <laughs> a warm take. <laughs> nice warm take. <laughs> you know, perfect bath temperature take. I don't want a hot, exactly. hot bath. I just want it to be like ideal temperature for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just relax into it. A warm take for the week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, we hope you found that useful, dear listener, and we hope that uh, you are able to look after yourself and able to get through, uh, stay safe in coronavirus, and um, we've kind of had a week off talking about coronavirus, but um, you know, we're watching the show in the context of coronavirus, and uh, uh, and um, work is being made to go back to work where it's clearly unsafe to do so and in the UK and a government just seemingly not wanting to really care or have a clue what's going on so um, we hope that if you are directly affected by it that you're able to stay safe but mm. also that you're able to get through the just the general stress of um, living through a pandemic and living through these incredibly difficult times we've done some podcasts about that uh, which you can go back and look mm -hmm. at dealing with the stress of coronavirus and the implications for consent uh, in the future and um, loving the time of coronavirus. But um, yeah, it's big. And I don't think that... I don't, I don't want to keep... I, we're not going to keep creating content that glosses over it. We're just, I guess, this is like a week off for us. <laughs> just a week off, but I think we will come back to more. I'm, I'm doing workshops with folks uh, who are still working and really quite yeah quite concerned with this kind of focus on back to normal mm. or pretending like it's not having any impact mm. and just getting on with it um i think it would be great to touch on that in a podcast mm. of just just how people are not being given the time and space they need to adjust to something absolutely massive no and yeah. a lot of our listeners will be going through grief as well um exactly and so that's something Ev that well I, everyone will yeah like just inevitably you know it's like and there's being no time and place for grieving in this like you know organizations are not supporting that um media is not supporting that social media is encouraging everyone to like do all of these extra things on top of yeah yeah let's let's come back to this justin <laughs> just yeah just more, to say we are yeah, yeah we are still yeah. this is still very live for us um but yeah yeah 
That was our week off. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed Watch some it. Watch and talk about it. Yeah. Remember, um, check out uh, the website, megjohnjustin.com forward slash uh, publications if you want to get by any of our zines and support the show. And also remember, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash megjohnandjustin. And you can tweet us at megjohnjustin. And until next time. Bye for now. Bye. <laughs> oh no, I don't need to stop video. Wait, start video. Stop and no, stop recording. Stop. There we go. I'll leave that in as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. <laughs>